Good evening, and welcome to episode four of Mortar and Pestle Productions Radio Classics. Tonight we bring you the first episode in our serial presentation of William Shakespeare's Macbeth, which will play in three parts weekly. Tonight's cast features Kate Corsi, Glenda Bell, and Judith Herman as the Witches, Brian Fairbrother as Duncan and the Porter, Kyle Frank as Macbeth, Eli Thompson as Banquo and the Sergeant, Sean Kalaki as Malcolm and the First Murderer, Riley Ann as Lady Macbeth, Oral Speakwell as Macduff, Scott Fairburn as Lennox and the Second Murderer, Stephen Vanny as Ross and the Third Murderer, Wally Desanze as Angus and Fleance, Megan Graham as Hackett, and directed by Melissa Beveridge. And so, without further ado, we proudly present part one of Mortar and Pestle's production of Macbeth. When shall we three meet again? In thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the holy bell is done! When the battle's lost and won. That will be ere the set of sun. Where the place? Upon the heath. There to meet with Macbeth. I come, Grey Malkin. Paddock calls. Anon. There is foul and foul is fair. What bloody man is that? He can report as seemeth by his plight to the revolt, the new estate. This is the sergeant. Hail, brave friend. <laughs> Say to the king the knowledge of the broil, as thou didst leave it. Doubtful it stood. The merciless MacDonald from the Western Isles, Kearns and Galloglasses, is supplied. Fortune, on his damned quarrel, smiling, showed like a rebel's horn. Paul's too weak for brave Macbeth. Well, he deserved that name. Disdaining fortune, with his brandished steel carved out his passage till he faced the slave, which ne'er shook hands nor bade farewell to him, till he unseamed him from the nave to the chaps and fixed his head upon our battlements. Oh, valiant cousin, worthy gentleman, Mark, King of Scotland, Mark. No sooner justice had with valor armed compelled these skipping kerns to trust their heels, but the Norwegian lord, surveying vantage, furbished arms and new supplies of men began a fresh assault. Dismayed not this our captains, Macbeth and Banquo? Uh, as sparrows, eagles, or the hare, the lion, I must report they were as cannons overcharged with double cracks. So they redoubled strokes upon the foe, 
except they meant to bathe in reeking wounds or memorize another Golgotha. So well thy words become thee as thy wounds. They smack of honor both. Go, get him, surgeons. Who comes here? The worthy Thane of Ross. <laughs> what a haste looks through his eyes. So should he look that seems to speak. Strange. God save the king. Whence came thou, worthy Thane? From Fife, great king. Where the Norwegian banners flout the sky and fan our people cold, Norway himself with terrible numbers, assisted by that most disloyal traitor, the Thane of Cawdor, began a dismal conflict till that Bologna's bridegroom, lapped in proof, confronted him with self-comparisons, point against point, rebellious, arm against arm, curbing his lavish spirit. And, to conclude, the victory fell on us. Great happiness! No more that Thane of Cardor shall deceive our bosom interest. Go, pronounce his present death, and with his former title, greet Macbeth. I'll see it done. What he hath lost, noble Macbeth hath won. Where thou? The sailor's wife had chestnuts in her lap and munched and munched and munched. Give me, quoth thy, a right thee which the rump fed Royan cries, her husband's to Aleppo gone, master of the tiger, but in a sieve I'll thither sail, and like a rat without a tail, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do. I'll give thee a wind. Thou'rt kind. And I another. Show me, show me. Here, I have a pilot's thumb. Wrecked as homeward he did come. A drum, a drum. Macbeth doth come. The, the weird sisters, hand in hand, posters of, of the sea and land. land. Thus do go about, about, thrice to thine, and thrice to mine, and thrice again to make up mine. Peace, the child's wound So foul and fair a day I have not seen. What are these? So withered and so wild in their attire. Not like the inhabitants of the earth, and yet they're honest. Live you? Why, you ought that man may question. You, you seem to understand me by each at once a chappy finger laying upon the skinny lip. You should be women. Speak if you can. What are you? All hail Macbeth. Hail to thee, Thane of Glamis. Oh, hail, Macbeth! Hail to thee, Thane of Cawdor! All hail, Macbeth! 
thou shalt be king hereafter. Good sir, why do you start and seem to fear things that do sound so fair? I, the name of truth, are ye fantastical? Or that indeed which I wordly ye show? If you can look into the seeds of time, speak then to me, who neither beg nor fear your favors nor your hate. Hell! 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 Lesser than Macbeth and greater. Not so happy, yet much happier. Thou shalt get kings, though thou be none. So all hail, Macbeth and Banquo. Banquo and Macbeth, all hail. Stay, you imperfect speakers, tell me more. By Sunil's death, I know I am Thane of Glamis, but how of Cawdor? The Thane of Cawdor lives, and to be king stands not within the prospect of belief. Save from whence you owe this strange intelligence. Speak, I charge you. Hither are they benched. Into the air, and what seemed corporal melted as breath into the wind. Would they had stayed. Are such things here as we do speak about? Your children shall be kings. Oh, you shall be king. And Thane of Cawdor, too, went it not so? Uh, to the self-same tune in words. Who's here? The king hath happily received, Macbeth, the news of thy success. As thick as hail came oast with oast, and everyone did bear thy praises in his kingdom's great defense, and poured them down before him. And for an earnest of a greater honor, he bade me from him call thee, Thane of Cawdor, in which addition hail, most worthy Thane, for it is thine. What? Can the devil speak true? The Thane of Cawdor lives. Why do you dress me in borrowed robes? Who was the Thane who lives yet, but under heavy judgment bears that life which he deserves to lose? Whether he was combined with those of Norway, or did line the rebel with hidden help and vantage, I know not. But treason's capital, confessed and proved, have overthrown him. Glamis, and Thane of Cawdor, the greatest is behind. Thanks for your pains. Do you not hope your children shall be kings, when those that give Thane of Cawdor to me promise no less to them? That entrusted home might yet enkindle you unto the crown, besides the Thane of Cardor. But tis strange, and oftentimes, to win us to our harm, the instruments of darkness tell us truths, win us with honest trifles, to betrays in deepest consequences. Cousin, a word I pray you. Two truths are told. I thank you, gentlemen. Cannot be ill, cannot be good. If ill, why hath they given me earnest of success, commencing in a truth? I am Thane of Cawdor. If good, why do I yield to that suggestion whose horrid image doth unfix my hair, and make my seated heart knock at my ribs? If chance will have me king, why, chance may crown me without my stir. New horrors come upon him, like, ah, uh, strange garments cleave not to their mold, but with the aid of use. 
Come what come may, time and the hour runs through the roughest day. Worthy Macbeth, we stay upon your leisure. Give me your favor. My dull brain was wrought with things forgotten. Kind gentlemen, let us towards the king. Think upon what hath chanced, and, at more time, the interim having waited, let us speak our free hearts each to each other. Very gladly. Till then, enough. Come, friends. Is execution done on Cawdor? Are not those in commission yet returned? My liege, they are not yet come back. But I have spoke with one that saw him die, who did report that very frankly he confessed his treasons, implored your highness's pardon, and set forth a deep repentance. Nothing in his life became him like the leaving it. He died as one that had been studied in his death, to throw away the dearest thing he owed, as twere a careless trifle. There's no art to find the mind's construction in the face. He was a gentleman on whom I built an absolute trust. Oh, worthiest cousin, the sin of my ingratitude even now was heavy upon me. Only I have left to say, more is thy due than more than all can pay. The service and the loyalty I owe in doing it pays itself. Your Highness's part is to receive our duties, and our duties are to your throne and state children and servants, which do but what they should by doing everything, safe towards your love and honor. Welcome hither. I have begun to plant thee, and will labor to make thee full of growing. Noble Banquo, that hast no less deserved, nor must be known no less to have done so. Let me enfold thee, and hold thee to my heart. There if I grow, the harvest is your own. Sons, kinsmen, thanes, and you whose places are nearest, no, we will establish our estate upon our eldest, Malcolm, who we name hereafter the Prince of Cumberland. But signs of nobleness like stars shall shine on all deservers from hence to Inverness and bind us further to you. The rest is labor, which is not used for you. I'll be myself, the harbinger, and make joyful the hearing of my wife with your approach. So humbly take my leave. My worthy Cador. Prince of Cumberland, that is a step on which I must fall down, or else or leap, for in my way it lies. True, worthy Banquo, he is full so valiant, and in his commendations I am fed. It is a banquet to me. Let's after him, whose care is gone before to bid us welcome. It is a peerless kinsman. They met me in the day of success, and I have learned by the perfectest report they have more in them than mortal knowledge. When I burned and desired to question them further, they made themselves into air, into which they vanished. Whilst I stood wrapped in the wonder of it, came missives from the king who all hailed me, Thane of Cawdor, by which title before, these weird sisters saluted me and referred me to the coming on of time, with hail, king that shall be. This have I thought good to deliver thee, my 
dearest partner of greatness, that thou mightest not lose the dues of rejoicing by being ignorant of what greatness is promised thee. Lay it to thy heart, and farewell. Glamis thou art, and Cawdor, and shalt be what thou art promised. Yet I do fear thy nature. It is too full of the milk of human kindness to catch the nearest way. Thou wouldst be great, that which rather thou dost fear to do, hie thee hither, that I may pour my spirits in thine ear and chastise with the valor of my tongue all that impedes thee from the golden round, which fate and metaphysical aid doth seem to have it thee crowned withal. What is your tidings? The king comes here tonight. Thou art mad to say it. Is not thy master with him? Who were so would have informed for preparation? So please you, it is true. Our thane is coming. Give him tending. He brings great news. The raven himself is horse that croaks the fatal entrance of Duncan under my battlements. Come, you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts. Unsex me here, and fill me from the crown to the toe, top full of direst cruelty. Make thick my blood. Stop up the excess and passage to remorse that no compunctuous visiting of nature shake my fell purpose, nor keep peace between the effect and it. Wherever in your sightless substances you wait on nature's mischief, Come, thick night, and pall thee in the dunnest smoke of hell, that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark to cry, Hold! Hold! Great Glamis, worthy Cawdor, greater than both by all hail hereafter. Thy letters have transported me beyond this ignorant present, and I feel now the future in the instant. My dearest love, Duncan comes here tonight. And when goes hence? Tomorrow, as he purposes. Oh, never shall sun that morrow see. Your face, my thane, is as a book where men may read strange matters. Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent underneath. He that's coming must be provided for, and you shall put this night's great business into my dispatch, which shall to all our nights and days to come give solely sovereign sway and masterdom. We will speak further. Only look up clear. To alter favor ever is to fear. Leave all the rest to me. See, see, our honored hostess. The love that follows us sometimes is our trouble, which still we thank as love. Herein I teach you how you shall bid God ild us for your pains and thank us for your trouble. All our service were poor and single business to contend against those honors wherewith your majesty loads our house. Where's the thane of Cador? We course him at the heels, and had a purpose to be his purveyor. 
but he rides well, and his great love, sharp as his spur, hath hauled him to his home before us. Fair and noble hostess, we are your guests tonight. Your servants ever at your highness's pleasure. Ah, give me your hand. Conduct me to mine host. We love him highly, and shall continue our graces towards him. By your leave, hostess. If it were done when tis done, then twere well it were done quickly. But in these cases we still have judgment here, that we but teach bloody instructions which, being taught, return to plague the inventor. He's here in double trust. First, as I am his kinsman and his subject, strong both against the deed. Then, as his host, who should against his murderer shut the door, not bear the knife myself. Besides, this Duncan hath borne his faculties so meek, hath been so clear in his great office, that his virtues will plead like angels trumpet-tongued against the deep damnation of his taking off. I have no spur to prick the sides of my intent, but only vaulting ambition, which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other. How now? What news? He has almost stopped. Why have you left the chamber? Hath he asked for me? No, not he has. We will proceed no further in this business. He hath honored me of late, and I have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people, which would be worn now in their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Have it slept since? And wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? From this time such I account thy love. Art thou afeard to be the same in thine own act and valor as thou art in desire? Wouldst thou have that which thou esteemst the ornament of life, and live a coward in thine own esteem? Prithee peace! I dare do all that may become a man. Who dares do more is none. What beast wast then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man. And to be so much more than what you were, you would be so much more the man. Nor time nor place did then adhere, and yet you would make both. They have made themselves, and that their fitness thou dost unmake you. If we should fail? We fail! But screw your courage to the sticking place, and we shall not fail! When Duncan is asleep, his two chamberlains will eye with wine when in their swinish sleep their drenched natures lie as in a death. What cannot you and I perform upon the unguarded Duncan? What not put upon his spongy offices who shall bear the guilt of our great quell? Will it not be received, when we have marked with blood those sleepy two of his own chamber and used their very daggers, that they have done it? Who dares receive it other? as we shall make our griefs and clamor roar upon his death. I am settled. And bend up, each corporal agent to this terrible feat. Away and mock the time with fairest show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. How goes the night, boy? The moon is down. I have not heard the clock. She goes down at twelve. I take it. Tis later, sir. 
Behold, take my sword. There's husbandry in heaven. Their candles are all out. Take me that too. Heavy summons lies like lead upon me, and yet I would not sleep. Merciful powers restrain in me the cursed thoughts that nature gives way to in repose. Give me my sword. Who's there? A friend. Ha, what, sir? Not yet addressed? The king's abed? He's been in unusual pleasure and sent forth great largesse to your offices. This diamond he greets your wife withal. I've named the most kind hostess and shut up measureless content. Being unprepared, our will became the servant to defect. Which else should free have wrought? I dreamed last night of the three weird sisters. To you they have showed some truth. I think not of them. Yet, when we can entreat an hour to serve, we would spend it in some words upon that business. If you would grant the time. At your kindest leisure. If you shall cleave my consent, when it is, it shall make honor for you. So I lose none in seeking to augment it, but still keep my bosom franchised and allegiance clear. I shall be counseled. Good repose the while. Thanks, sir, the like to you. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand? Come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not fatal vision, sensible to feeling as to sight? Or art thou but a dagger of the mind, a false creation, proceeding from the heat-oppressed brain? Thou marshalst me the way I was going, and such an instrument I was to use. Mine eyes are made the fools over the other senses, or else worth all the rest. I see thee still, and on thy blade and dudgeon gouts of blood, which was not so before. There's no such thing. It is the bloody business which informs thus to mine eyes. Now o'er the one half-world nature seems dead, and wicked dreams abuse the curtain's sleep. Thou sure and firm-set earth, hear not my steps. Which way they walk, for fear the very stones prate of my whereabouts, and take the present horror from the time which now suits with it. I go, and it is done. The bell invites me. Hear it not, Duncan, for it is a knell that summons thee to heaven or to hell. That which hath made them drunk hath made me bold. What hath quenched them hath given me fire. She is about it. The doors are open and their surfeited grooms do mock their charge with snores. I have drugged their possets, that death and nature do contend about them whether they live or die. But I'm afraid they have awaked and tis not done. The attempt and that the deed confounds us. Hark, I laid their daggers ready. He could not miss them. Had he not resembled my father as he slept, I had done it. My husband? You've done the deed. This is a sorry sight. A foolish thought to say a sorry sight. 
There's one did laugh and sleep. And one cried murder. That they did wake each other. I stood and heard them. But they did say their prayers and addressed them again to sleep. One cried, God bless us. And amen the other. As they had seen me with these hangman's hands. Listening in their fear, I could not say amen when they did say God bless us. But wherefore could I not pronounce amen? I had most need of blessing and amen stuck in my throat. These deeds must not be thought after these ways, so it will make us mad. Methought I heard a voice cry, sleep no more. Macbeth does murder sleep. The innocent sleep. Glamis hath murdered sleep, and therefore Cawdor shall sleep no more. Macbeth shall sleep no more. Who was it that thus cried? Why, worthy thane, you do unbend your noble strength to think so brain sickly of such things. Go, get some water, and wash this filthy witness from your hand. Why did you bring these daggers from the place? They must lie there. Go, carry them and smear the sleepy grooms with blood. I'm afraid to think what I've done. Look on again, I dare not. Infirm of purpose. Give me the daggers. The sleeping and the dead are but as pictures. Tis the eye of childhood that fears a painted devil. If he do bleed, I'll gild the faces of the grooms withal, for it must seem their guilt. hands are here. <laughs> Will all great Neptune's oceans wash this blood clean from my hand? No. This my hand will rather the multitudinous seas and incarnity, making the green one red. My hands are of your color, but I shame to wear a heart so white. I hear a knocking at the south entry. Retire we to our chamber. A little water clears us of this deed. Hark, more knocking! Oh, get on your nightgown, lest occasion call us, and show us to be watchers. Be not lost so poorly in your thoughts. To know my deed, twere best not know myself. Wake, Duncan, with thy knocking! I would thou couldst. A knocking indeed. If a man were porter of Hellgate, he should have old turning the key. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? In the name of Beelzebub. He is a farmer that hanged himself on the expectation of plenty. Come in time. Have napkins now about you. Here you'll sweat for it. Knock, knock. Who's there? In the other devil's name. Faith? He is an equivocator that could swear both the scales against either scale. Who committed treason enough for God's sake, yet who could not equivocate to heaven? Oh, come in, equivocator. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? Faith. 
Here's an English tailor come hither for stealing out of a French hose. Come in, tailor. Here you may roast your goose. Knock, knock, never at quiet. What are you? But this place is too cold for hell. I'll devil porter it no further. I had thought to have let in some of all professions that go the primrose way to the everlasting bonfire. Anon, anon, I pray you, remember the porter. Was it so late, friend, ere you went to bed that you do lie so late? <laughs> Faith, sir, we were carousing till the second cock, and drink, sir, is a great provoker of three things. What three things does drink especially provoke? Merry, sir. Nose painting, sleep, and urine. <laughs> Lechery, sir, it provokes and unprovokes. It provokes the desire, but takes away the performance. Therefore, much strength may be said to be an equivocator with lechery. It makes him and it mars him. It sets him on and takes him off. It persuades him and disheartens him. It makes him stand to and not stand to. In conclusion, equivocates him in his sleep and giving him the lie, leaves him. <laughs> I believe drink gave me the lie last night. <laughs> that it did, sir, in the very throat on me. But I requited him for his lie, and, I think, being too strong for him, though he took up my legs sometime, and yet I made shift to cast him out. It's thy master stirring. Oh, unlocking has awaked him. Here he comes. Good morrow, noble sir. Good morrow, both. Is the king stirring, worthy thing? Not yet. He did command me to call timely on him. I have almost slipped the hour. I'll bring you to him. I know this is a joyful trouble to you, but yet tis one. The labor we delight in physics pain. This is the door. I'll make so bold to call, for tis my limited service. Goes the king hence today? He does. He did appoint so. The night hath been unruly. Where we lay, our chimneys were blown down, and as they say, lamentings heard in the air, strange screams of death. Twas a rough night. My young remembrance cannot parallel a fellow to it. Oh, horror! Horror! Tony, our heart cannot conceive more name day. What's the matter? What's the matter? Confusion now hath made his masterpiece. Sacrilegious murder hath broke open the Lord's anointed temple and stole thence the life of the building. What did you say? The life? Mean you his majesty? Approach the chamber and destroy your sight. See, and then speak yourselves. Awake! Awake! Ring the alarm bell! Murder and treason. Banquo, Donald Bain, Malcolm, awake. Malcolm, Banquo, as from your graves rise up and walk like sprites to countenance this horror. Bring the bell. What's the business that such a hideous trumpet calls to parlay the sleepers of this house? Speak, speak. Oh, gentle lady, tis not for you to hear what I can speak. 
The repetition in a woman's ear would murder it as it fell. Oh, Banquo, Banquo. Our royal master is murdered. What? In our house? Too cruel anywhere. Dear, doth I prithee contradict thyself and say it is not so? Had I but died an hour before this chance, I had lived a blessed time. For from this instant, there's nothing serious in mortality. All is but toys. Renown and grace is dead. The wine of life is drawn. What is amiss? You are. And do not note. Your royal father murdered. Oh. Uh, by whom? Those of his chambers have seemed to have done it. Their hands and faces were embedded with blood. So were their daggers, which unwiped we found upon their pillows. Oh, yet I do repent me of my fury that I did kill them. Wherefore did you so? Who can be wise, amazed, temperate, and furious, loyal and neutral? Who could refrain that had a heart to love, and in that heart courage to make love known? Help me hands, Look to the lean. And when we have our naked frailties hid, suffer and exposure, let us meet. Question this most bloody piece of work to know it further. Let's briefly put on manly readiness and meet in the hall together. Well contented. Well contented. Well contented. Well contented. to an end our exciting first chapter. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the continuation of Macbeth. This radio presentation has been a socially distanced production. Its participants recorded remotely and mixed at MMP headquarters here in Toronto. Be sure to tune in to the MMP podcast channel for new episodes. MMP podcasts can be found on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and YouTube. Please subscribe to show your support and make more original programming possible. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay tuned, and good night.